0: So, which one of these pictures do you think is the most representative of prayer? If you had to pick one. While you think about that, let's take a moment and give Next Akin uh, a great hand and a thanks for helping us lead worship the last couple of weeks. I think we should invite them to join us at the picnic. And uh, what do you guys think? All right. Well, I actually asked, asked them last week, and they said they'd be there. There you go. So, yeah, they will be joining us again at the picnic for, and, and after we eat that day, they'll be sharing, I guess, a full-blown concert with us. And you will be back here at 1 practicing, and if you want to come here more today, they'll be here at 1 o'clock today, so you can join in with that too. So let's start off with the, the question that I was asked. I've been wondering about something you said, and the you is me, in case you're wondering. Previously, you indicated that we should pray only to the Father, but then this week was talking about Jesus and Him being God and the Holy Spirit being our earthly heavenly helper, and apparently I confused someone. As I said, I don't know exactly what I said when I said this. I don't know when I exactly said this, um, so it gives me the opportunity to kind of revisit the idea of prayer and and who we're praying to and, and how just this communication with God, how important it is, and kind of just set some philosophy and some ideas about what we're talking about here. If we've looked at this circle, we've been using these kind of this little Venn diagram to kind of help us orient ourselves as we address questions. So when we start talking about prayer and how that works, we're definitely a little bit more in the theology circle. Hopefully it follows also within that orthodoxy, you know, the, the instructions that God gave us from the Bible. But, but it also has to be with us kind of figuring out how that fits in with our system of faith and our system of praying with God as we think about what God wants us to do as we communicate with God and how that all works. If you want to take your Bibles, you can turn to Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter. This is actually what we read last week in our public reading time. Uh, if you're new here, we ha- we have a time where we set across where we're as a congregation uh, regularly reading through the Scriptures. We've already worked through the Gospel of Mark. Now we're we're nearing uh, around the halfway point of uh, of Luke's Gospel that we've just been reading out loud together. Um, And so last week, Jared read this part from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It reads, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples and said to them, when you pray, and he said to them, excuse me, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day, day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, Jared rightly pointed out an idea last week. It's kind of his main thought as he was kind of leading us into our scripture reading. And the thing that stuck out to him was he found it interesting that the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. That They, they revealed this desire to learn how to pray, that, that they, they, they were something that they were missing. Now, I want you to remember that who the disciples were. These are not pagans. These are not people who didn't have a faith, who didn't have a religion. They would have been raised up as Jewish boys. They would have had prayers. They would have been praying, quite literally, from the earliest moments of their childhood. They, they would have had, as Jews, they would have had a whole set of, of prayers. Well, actually pay attention to the wording I used. They would have had a whole set of religious recitations to repeat. That they would have called prayers. Um, that's how they would have referred to these things that they would have recited from memory over and over. And they learned them at their earliest childhood. And so they're coming to Jesus and saying, this thing we've called prayer all our life, it's different than what you do. <laughs> so teach us to do what you do. Teach us something different than what we've grown up doing. So these aren't pagans, you know, non-religious people who had no faith whatsoever that are asking these questions. These are people who would have had lots and lots and lots of prayer in their life and had done a lot, a lot of praying probably. They probably did it daily already. And there's like, but there's something different. They noticed that Jesus's prayer life was different than theirs. Donald Whitney Uh, is, wrote probably a a Christian standard called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And he has, it's a whole book dedicated to different disciplines that you can do as a Christian to to help uh, practice your faith and grow in your faith and your relationship with God. And this is what he says about prayer. He says, there is a sense in which prayer needs to be taught to a child of God no more than a baby needs to be taught to cry. But crying for basic needs is a minimal communication and we must grow beyond that infancy so there's a sense that when we come to faith when we establish a relationship with with god when we're born again as the bible would say it that we have this sense of how to talk to god just like a baby knows how to talk to us but but there's a a maturity that goes on obviously as you could see my daughter could speak and communicate a lot better than she could when she was an infant. She didn't get up here and cry this morning, right? She communicated. She's matured. Interestingly enough, Carly, we... How many of you raised your first child and your second child kind of different? You know, you're all gung-ho on the first one, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And the second one, you get a little more laxed about some of that stuff. We were, you know, these gung-ho first parents... Carly was able to speak in sign language before she could talk. Uh, we, you know, she would do, because we, we didn't want that eh, and just cry and point to stuff. We, we wanted her to communicate. And so as, before she was able to use words, if she wanted something, she'd say milk, and she would do her hand like this, and we would know she would want milk. If she wanted more, she would do this. She had a a, a group of about five different words that she could, thank you. She would say thank you when she got her milk, and there, I don't even remember them all. Uh, for, it was so long ago now, but anyway, she had matured. She could communicate. It was important that we dressed her and we taught her how to do something more than just cry. And that's what Whitney's saying. Saying said, we have a natural sense of crying out to God, but our communication should mature as we mature and as our relationship with God matures too. In all transparency, just of who I am, if there was one area that I personally want slash need to grow more spiritually in, in my own spiritual life, if there's an area that I would identify that this is a target area that I want to need to mature in more it's probably in the area of prayer it's one of those things that that i need to to see more about and so the temptation for me when I looked at this question was, to, was immediately to jump into methods and practices that we could do, use to, to be better prayers, that we could use to be more mature prayers. You know, journaling is, a, is something I use It helps me, praying scripture, like learning how to take a scripture and pray that one scripture repeatedly and understanding how to apply scripture to our prayers, or just the practice of the discipline, how to discipline yourself to, to pray. But I want to be more basic than that. I want to move beyond just even practical advice about how to pray and have some basic conversations about the philosophy and the theology and our thoughts about prayer and this idea of, of who it is we're addressing and how to address them. I'm going to answer the question by first discussing what prayer is or actually is and what prayer is not. My goal for today is hopefully to develop our hearts for prayer, more than the manner of our praying. My goal is that that we work on our heart more than we work on our method. <laughs> we work on, on what our motivations more than our than our, the manner in which we do things. And that's where I hope to get us today. So the, the disciples asked Jesus to pray, to teach them to pray. And, and I, and I kind of want to pull out some things that I think we can learn from that or at least what those differences then Jesus's prayer was to what the disciples had experienced what made that so different that they were saying well teach us how to do this rightly or how to do this real and the first one when we think about prayer talk about what prayer is not Pr- prayer is not religious or at least it shouldn't be all right, and What I mean by that is there are lots of people who pray. There's lots of faith. Really, if you looked at any faith probably around the world, they have a prayer component in them. Uh, no matter what faith system, Christian, non-Christian, pagan, they all have a, a prayer component in them. And many have treated prayer as this religious duty. This is probably part of what's going on with the disciples, that that they had these things memorized. They had these these times set aside for prayer and and that there was a right way to do it and a right thing to say. And they had learned all the methodology of prayer. And they were probably faithful to that, but there something was wrong. And because what they had done is they had taken this wonderful blessing that we call prayer and they had turned it into a religious duty. Uh, I I have to more than anything. So people in other faiths have appointed times and methods and procedures and protocols that they have to follow to do them right. Uh, There are some uh, people who recite from memory ancient prayers over and over and they become rote within their memory that they can say their prayers without ever even contemplating the wording that they use they can say them in their sleep so to speak and they have nothing really to think about Uh, let me get my my uh a.w tozer I was wanting to say C.S. Lewis, and I knew it wasn't Lewis, it was Tozer. Tozer wrote a book called Rust, Rot, and Revival, and he, and he talks about how we as Christians, we kind of get in these ruts, <laughs> and that we just do the same thing over and over and over, and when we get in this rut, it's not long before rot starts to set into our spiritual lives. And he says, really what gets us into the rut is when we do things out of the rote, <laughs> You can hear him doing his preacher thing, playing all these alliterations with the words he uses. But when we do these things over and over and over and over and over so that they mean nothing anymore, we put ourselves in this rut and it's not long before spiritual rot starts to set in. And his answer is revival, to to bust out of this rut, to do something different. And that's really what the disciples are asking for here, right? You know, revive us, teach us to pray like you pray, And so some of us do it that way. Some faiths have lighting of candles, believing that the smoke from the candles will take their prayers to God. Others bring gifts of money or fruit or even flowers and lay them before statues so that their God, quote unquote, will pay attention to their prayer. Uh, Various uh, people, there's other people who uh, have figured out this idea of the prayer cylinder, or the prayer wheel, where they take a cylinder and they, they carve the words of a prayer on this cylinder that's set on a spindle and, and that they can spin the, the wheel and that says the prayer for them as it spins around and around and around. Uh, one person wrote, that, wrote it this way, that spinning such a wheel will have much the same meritorious effect as an orally recited prayer. I would agree with that. It will have almost, spinning a prayer wheel will have almost the exact same effect, that a, a meritus effect, that an orally recited prayer will have. The effect is, kneel, in my opinion. <laughs> that spinning this wheel, God pays as much to somebody spinning a wheel as lighting a candle, as reciting something that they don't actually put their heart in. It all has the same effect. Merit is effect. You can see what the idea here is that my prayer is this religious duty that brings some kind of merit upon me, that God says, Good job, you talked to me today. Others, and and one other thing that we religiously use uh, across a whole wide gambit of different faiths, you know, faiths that would pray to actually completely different gods, the idea of prayer beads kind of keep count of how many prayers you said and keep your on track with your prayer life and so forth so all these things are religious duties that people do to pray Uh, and we've made these these this kind of religious activity that "Mm, I've got to do but again as I said the disciples realized there was something different and that they needed to be different if they were going to follow Jesus for Jesus' disciples the approach to prayer should be much different than some religious activity. Jesus in answering the disciples' request when they said teach us to pray, heard out of his mouth is revolutionary. He changes the whole idea of prayer from religion to something. He says, and he said to them, when you pray, say what's the first word? Father. He moved prayer from the religious to the relationship it's we read that we've prayed our father so many times in our life that it's become rote for us in a lot of ways that we don't understand the magnitude of what jesus did in that one word when he says when you pray say father father because it had never been done. If you look throughout the Old Testament, every time someone prays to God in the Old Testament, it usually starts off like, like David in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. This is just an example where David prays to the Lord. He says, now... Oh, actually, this is, uh, this is uh, Solomon praying to the Lord. He says, now, O Lord, my God... You have made your servant king in the place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And that introduction is, O Lord, my God. The word Lord that we read there is actually God's name. If you look at in the Hebrew, it's O Jehovah or Yahweh. He calls God by this proper name that he was that he was taught to, to call God that as God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. But, but they won't say it that way. That's why they transliterate. that's why they call it Lord. They won't even say God's name. So they use a, a substitute because His name is too holy to even pronounce even though it's written. So it's oh Lord, but it's really God's personal name, Jehovah Yahweh, the, the tetragrammaton as, as it's called. You are my Elohim. You are my God. Jehovah is God, is what it says. And in every one of the Old Testament, this is generally how God's addressed in the, in the most reverent possible way, called out by name as he identified himself, and then given the, rec- the, the recognition, you are God Almighty. This is how it's done for centuries and centuries and centuries. And then Jesus comes up and said, well, if you want to do it the way I do it, Here's how you start Father. Dropped is the personal name. Dropped is this, this title of God. Just, you are my father. It, it's very relational, so it's very loving, and it's very, very intimate. And that's really what the disciples are picking up on is that Jesus, when when Jesus prays, it's not some religious activity that, that they do from memory. It's not some some just thing to do because it's the right thing to do. But this is established in Jesus knowing God and God knowing him. And they have this relationship with one another. And so he addresses him very familiarly, very caringly, and very lovingly it's vastly different than what had been done so and i don't think jesus would have taught at this time we jesus is teaching his disciples to pray in the father i don't think he would have you can imagine to kind of answer our question like who we're to address when we pray it'd been hard for jesus to say now when y'all pray pray dear jesus it would have been hard for him to instruct people to pray to him Uh, although later on he will teach the disciples to pray in his name and what that means to be in line with the will of God, it would have been hard for Jesus to really teach the disciples about the role of the Holy Spirit in prayer because the indwelling Holy Spirit, as we understand him today, hadn't happened yet. This is pre Pentecost, right? Although he will introduce the spirit and, and how and it becomes Paul in Romans chapter eight, who teaches us that the Holy Spirit helps us. In our prayers, that's what it says, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches the hearts that knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So after Pentecost, we get this teaching from the scriptures about the role of the Spirit in prayer. And so actually I believe when we pray, all three are involved: Father, Son, and Spirit. I believe because we Uh, pray into the trinity so so what do you really think just take some time to contemplate what do you think the difference in jesus's prayers were and what what was it the disciples were wanting to learn it's that intimate like you like you pray like you know god You, you pray like he talks back to you you pray like it's a real thing and not just some activity that we've been taught to do and so when we pray, I think we approach it in that kind of manner, that this isn't some religious duty. I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a right way and a wrong way to, to start off a prayer. <laughs> you know, whether it's in the Father, or, in, or I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus, or dear Holy Spirit, or oh God, however you introduce that thing, I think God's going to be, help. well, I'm just glad you called. <laughs> uh, and so let's not make it some religious right and wrong as much as something that is based on the relationship. Because it's based in a relationship, um, we need to understand that prayer is communication with the one God. We talked about what it's not. It's not some really religious activity, but what it really is is communication with the one God. I want to take a moment just to touch base where we started in 2021. We started 2021, this is the year of knowing the one, (laughs) that the one is supposed to remind us about the one God. And especially for those of us who are praying and seeking for God to lead us to one to share the gospel with, we should still be praying that. And so one of the things that set Christianity apart from all other religions is that we believe in one God. True Christians believe in the triune God, that is that God exists as a communion of three separate but equal persons, something we commonly refer to as the Trinity, right? Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that this is the Godhead, the three-in-one, the triune God. And so when we pray, we're talking to all three. <laughs> I mean, they're all three God, and, and they each have a different role. Trinity, the Trinity is one of the most difficult things for us to mentally grasp, intellectually grasp, I believe. Uh, one, another famous saying is the Trinity, Try to deny it, and you'll lose your soul. Try to understand it, and you'll lose your mind. Um, And so that, that the Trinity is something I think we experience better than we learn. And I actually believe, and I say this quite often in my pastor's class when we talk about prayer and the Trinity, is I believe one of the best ways to understand or grasp the Trinity is to experience the Trinity. And I think it's through prayer, through our relationship with God, that we had the chance to experience this. And here's what I mean. So I have some friends that that also are members of the church. I know that's hard to imagine that you can be their pastor and their friend at the same time. But it happens. And, And so sometimes my friends come to me and they're like, I need to talk to my friend Jason today. And what they're telling me when they say that, when they introduce that, they're like, okay, take your pastor hat off and just be my buddy, right? And, and what they're saying is, you know, they're going to kind of let their hair down a little bit. They're going to be a little less proper than they're supposed to be when they're talking to their preacher. You know, they're going to, they're going to air out something or they're going to, you know, let their guard down. And they just, they just need a buddy, right? And that's what they're communicating to me. And so I get to approach them as this, this buddy figure. Then there are times when these friends say, I need to talk to my pastor today. When they say that to me, they're like, okay, I got, I got a serious question. I got a theological question. I got a Bible question. I need, I need some good godly counsel. You know, really run this through the filter uh, of who God is and what you know about the scripture and, and guide me spiritually today. And, and sometimes it might be the same subject we just thought, got to talking about as friends. But, and so we have this different hat. Sometimes it, it, that Carly comes in and she wants advice from her, her father, right? And then sometimes she goes, I just need to talk to my dad. And when she says that, what she's wanting me to do is to affirm whatever she says, right? You know, I just, I love you, honey, and it's going to be okay. And that guy, he's just mean, and I'm going to go smack him around, You know, just that she's right and whatever she says is right. And anything that's gone wrong to her, it's my duty to go out and fix. That's what dads do. And so sometimes she needs that reassurance. Sometimes she needs her father who's going to like, now, young lady, right? The reason I say that is sometimes when I pray, and this is, I'm just not advocating this is right, wrong, or indifferent. This is my own personal freedom. If we were looking at a little Venn diagram. I just think to myself when I'm praying, who is it I'm talking to? Who is it that I'm really addressing in this kind of this in this realm of talking to the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit? You know, if I'm praying about, you know, Lord, I, I, I need to know your will Or your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I I, I need your provision. I need your protection. I I thank you for your love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. I'm really kind of talking to the Father. It's the Father who has a will. Jesus even says himself, I came to do the will of the Father, right? And so it's kind of the Father who's mapping out things and planning things and has got the plan. If I'm praying For Lordship, if I'm praying for gratitude, if I say, I'm so grateful my sins were forgiving, I might think about Jesus because he's the one who paid the penalty. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient even to the point of death and death on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for paying a debt that I couldn't pay. Dear Jesus, be my Lord. Dear Jesus, be my guide, be my be my director, my king. You know, that's kind of who you're talking about. That's what Jesus did for me. And then if I'm praying for guidance, you know, like I want to find your will. I might be talking to the Holy Spirit or or dear Holy Spirit. The Bible says you're going to help me to pray like I I don't even know what to ask for. Have you ever said that prayer? God, I don't even know what to ask for. Holy Spirit, you're here to intercede and help me out. Please do that. Or 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 you know, inviting God, you know, Holy Spirit, be here with us today. We're all talking to the same triune God. We're all talking to the one God. We're all communicating with this one God. But one for me, one of the best ways to understand that is just to to experience the Trinity by thinking about how does this person in the Godhead How do we relate? What does does my relationship with the Spirit look like? What does my relationship with the the Son look like? What does my relationship with the Father look like? And how is that expressed in the way I communicate in that relationship? So really, this was the picture when I looked at those four pictures. When When I think about what prayer looks like, I think this is probably the best picture of prayer. Two friends... Sitting down, on alone, having time together just to chat. See how much different that is than religion? How much different that is than some religious duty or activity. I mean, if I saw, if, if you were inviting me to come spin a wheel 50 times one day, I'd be like, I'm probably busy that day. I don't need to spin the prayer wheel, right? But if you invited me, if God invited me, hey, you want to go on a picnic? You want to hang out for an hour, just me and you and chat and we'll get a cup of coffee and we'll sit and watch the birds and and see what comes up. That's relationship. And I think this is what God's inviting us. And, And I think this is the difference that the disciples are seeing. Like, like you're hanging out with God. There's real relationship going on there. And so ultimately this is what prayer is. It's communication, it's relationship with God. I want to say this because prayer is communion, is communication inside a relationship, all right? That's so this is what prayer, this is where real prayer takes place. It takes in it, it happens, it's communication inside the relationship we have with God. Prayer is most effective when there is listening and being heard we generally practice prayer on the being heard part quite a bit but it's not communication if there's not a listening part on ours now we're we can rest assured God tells us he listens to us the question is how often do we listen to him Uh, some really smart people who studied communication This guy named McFarlane wrote this: that communication is a process of meaningful interaction among human beings. More specifically, it is the process by which meanings are perceived, understandings are reached among human beings. Newman also wrote uh, that the to define communication as an, an exchange of facts and ideas, opinions, emotions by two or more persons. this this exchange. And so what we must understand is that prayer is best and most effective when it's a two-way street. We're not just driving down a one-way street and we're just talking to God, talking to God, talking to God, talking to God. this, And often I hear Scripture repeated back to me. There's a passage in John 14, 25, 26 that says, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, from the Father will send in His in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. And I find that happening for me in the process of prayer quite often. Is that as I pray about something, scriptures pop in my mind, and and usually it's just like part of a scripture, like three or four words. Enough me to go find it <laughs> and like oh i can find that verse because i can remember three words of it and i do a google search and i find the passage and then i start to read the passage and quite often i find guidance in the scriptures that i've been led to that's the way it kind of happens for me i think it probably is different for a lot of people but i do listen for the spirit to answer me i do ask questions and wait for answers i ask for guidance and wait for and expect answers and and and, and the, there's this give and the time and take Interestingly enough, it's funny how God works, just yesterday I had a conversation with someone who was talking to me about another church who has a prayer service, a weekly prayer service, and what the people do is they come in and they sit in complete silence. They don't say anything, they don't do anything, they just sit there until they hear from God. I understand The idea behind that and I think that's good obviously I think we should be listening to God but I think you got to be careful because people sit there and they just wait for something to pop in their brain and then they just say well that's from God and so you got to be a little bit careful when listening to God you've got to find a way to make sure you hear his voice and the one thing I would tell you that that don't just think you heard God make sure you heard God and one of the best ways to make sure you heard God check it with scripture God's never going to tell you something in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, in your feelings, in in anything that's about you. God's never going to tell you something that contradicts what he's written down. And, and, And so if you thought you heard God and you want to make sure, then check it with Scripture. Because too often we hear what we want to hear and we put it in God's mouth and we didn't actually hear from him too. So there is a danger we have with that. I think we got to be careful with that listening and not just let every thought I had, well, I'm just going to attribute that to God. and I'm going to attribute that to God and I'm going to attribute that to God. And pretty soon God can lead us to do things that God would never lead us to do. And I've talked to a lot of people who've told me that God wanted them to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, that's funny because he says he hates that in the Bible. Or he despises that in the Bible. Or that's a sin in the Bible. I don't know why he would tell you something different than he told everybody else for the last 2,000 years. And so we do have to be careful with the listening part, but it definitely needs to be part of our practice. And so here's what I'd like to draw. and drawing an answer to this person's question of, of... me teaching pray only to the Father or not to pray to the Father. Really, prayer needs to be more about our purpose than our method. It really needs to be more about what's on our heart than what we do and how we do it. Um, And and I really think that's what the the disciples are seeing. They're seeing Jesus' heart. They're seeing his relationship with God displayed, and they want to have it. Because I'm not really sure that the Bible teaches a correct method for prayer as much as it teaches a correct heart for praying. Let me say that again so you get it. Not sure the Bible teaches us a correct method of prayer as much as it teaches us a correct heart for praying. Matthew 6, 5, Jesus is talking about prayer in his sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, and when you pray, so there's this expectation you're going to do it, you must not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues, in the streets, and the corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, you've received the reward. He goes on to tell them, when you pray, pray in your closet, pray in private, so that the Father knows who sees the heart knows what you're doing. And so the Bible is a lot more concerned with our purpose in praying, our motivations in our hearts, than the method in which we use you can spin the wheel as many times you want you can light as many candles as you want and it will never be as effective as the heartfelt prayer of anyone so what amazes me about little kids when they get up and pray you know they just say what's on their heart and how often have you heard a little kid pray and you go i think jesus was probably much more pleased with that than that 15 minute prayer the pastor prayed for all he said right so that's really what we're talking about. And so let me just kind of give you a couple of quick questions to think about as you go out and pray this week. Why, why are you choosing to talk to God? That would be the first question. Why? Why are you going to set aside time to choose God? Is there something you want from Him? <laughs> you know, that really becomes the impetus of much prayer. God, I have a want, and you need to know about it. Are you wanting to change his mind one of the most uh, difficult questions I was ever asked in philosophy class if you could change God's mind in prayer would you want to think about that perfect all-knowing loving God decides to do X Jason wants Y done do you really want me to be able to change his mind or do you want to go with the perfect, holy, loving God and just do what he says? Do we really want to be able to change God's mind? Or are we just desperate? Is prayer coming from desperation? I wonder how often, you know, sometimes, have you ever had a child come up and say, Dad, I love you so much. You're so great. You're handsome. You're, you're giving. You're, you're, you're just always been there for me. I just admire you so much. Do you want to guess what I'm thinking about that point? (laughs) Ever thought about how much that sounds like how we approach God? My dear gracious Heavenly Father, you're so loving, you're so wonderful, you're so powerful, you're so great. I'm so lucky to be your child. By the way, I got this thing I need would you mind doing that for me? I'm afraid we must really look at the motivations behind our prayers. And is it really just talking to God who we trust and love and want to be with? Or are we really buttering up him because we have some other motivation that we don't want to so quickly admit to? i ask you this, which one of these fits best for you? When you're thinking about prayer, when you Think about the process of prayer. When you come to prayer, when you sit down one day this week and and approach prayer, which will be the thought that that pushes you to it? I have to. You know, this is what I got to do. This is, you know, I want to be, got to have a good devotion, and part of a good devotion is prayer, so I've just got to do this. Just make myself, you know. Or do you approach prayer, I ought to. This is something I should do. I know it's the right thing. And, and I want to, you know, be right at least Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I, I really ought to do this. And you're kind of guilt motivated into doing the right thing. Or do you approach prayer, I need to. I'm in a bad situation and the only hope I got is God to show up and do something. And I just got this really bad need and the only thing, the only thing I know to do is pray. And so I'm going to. Do you approach prayer? Well, I've been taught to. My mom and my dad and my preacher and my church, I've I've been taught to do this. This is what disciples do. And I just want to be a good disciple. And and sometimes maybe just being obedient is a good reason to pray. I mean, really, the Bible tells us you're blessed if you know what I teach and you do it, right? And the Bible tells us to pray. And so maybe your motivation is I just going to do what I've been taught to do out of pure obedience. I think that's God-honoring. I want to, I can't wait to sit down and tell God what's going on in my head. Not that he doesn't already know, but I just want to talk with him. I haven't seen him in like a week. Uh, One of the funny things, as you know, our kids went off to camp this week. I was talking to one of the parents on, uh, so they went down Monday, or they went down Sunday to camp. I was talking to one of the parents on Monday, and the parent goes, you're not going to believe what we did last night kids are gone you're just not going to guess what we did I'm like all right well what'd y'all do you know take her out to dinner y'all go get you buy a steak He's like, no we had a five sentence conversation without being interrupted (laughs) it was great I'm like yeah me and Shelly we go like hide in the bathroom turn on the shower just so we can sit in the one place and be taught to have a conversation without two kids and two dogs around us at all times because we just want to talk to one another. Like, how are you doing? I haven't seen you. What's going on in your life? You know, I've missed you. I love you. Do we approach God that kind of same desperate way? Like, I just can't wait to talk with Him again. I just, I, I want to talk to Him. I can't go much longer. It's been, it's been like 24 hours since I've had this conversation. I want to have a talk with God. Or finally, do you approach it like, I get to. I have the privilege to talk to the ultimate creator of the entire world. I dare say, if I could get you a phone call with a number of people, I'm scared to say who I might be thinking about. Let me think of somebody harmless. Ben Roethlisberger, there you go. That's about as harmless as you get. Uh, if I said I got Ben Roethlisberger on the phone, would you like to have a conversation with him? Most of us would go, I get to talk to Ben Roethlisberger. I get to ask him a question. God offers us the opportunity to talk to the creator of the world, the infinite, ultimate God, the one who exists in three persons. And 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 shame on us if we make this something, huh? Now I gotta go talk to him instead of get to talk to him. I want to talk to him. Yes, it's part of me being his disciple, but this is about relationship. If you have relationships with someone where you go like, well, you know, got to go talk to my best friend today. If I don't talk to him today, he's not going to be my best friend anymore. I just got to do it. I'm going to pick up the phone and yeah, if I'm on for more than five minutes, Shelly, you, you call me and make sure i got to get off because you, you, know, you want me to do dishes or something. Get me off as quick as you can because i got to do this or I ought to do this or I, I need to talk to them. They're, they're kind of ill and depressed. Or do you have a relationship with somebody that you want to talk to them? You get to talk to them. It's a pleasure and a purpose. Because I really think prayer is more about our heart and the relationship we have with God than religious or religious activity and religious methods and methodologies. I think they fall very, very short compared to the real relationship God offers us. And when we grasp who we're talking to and that we can talk to them and communicate with them, I think we'll want it a whole lot more and be a lot less worried about the how we do it than the opportunity that we get to do it. May you be encouraged to be more about the heart of the relationship than the method of your prayer.